Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's really good to be together. Um, we are finally finishing our three-week series. Strategic, sorry. Today, uh, called uh, we, a series that we began three weeks ago called The Gift. And it's been a short series, but one that I believe is putting... A stake in the ground as we are saying, this is who we are, this is what we believe. And uh, we've been preaching about the person, the power, and today the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to, before we get stuck into it, on Thursday, this past week, we had some friends visiting from a church in Joburg. And they said they wanted to have dinner with us as uh, some of the leaders of Life Changers. And 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 Mark uh, Van Pletzen, being the creative that he is, said dinner was just, you know, who, who wants to have dinner in Cape Town? No one wants to do that. I'm like... Everyone wants to do that, Mark. But he's like, no, no, no. Let's do something more crazy. Let's go and climb Table Mountain in the early evening. And let's sleep up on the top of it in, a, in the scout hut. And then climb down before work on Friday. Don't you think that's a great idea? To which I responded, no. But I, I obediently followed. So on Thursday, we, we started this trek up Table Mountain from the Camps Bayside. Now, just to let you know, maybe some of you have done that multiple times. You're going, Gabe, what's the big deal? For me, Table Mountain is Everest. I've, I've battled my way up Lion's Head a couple of times, and I, I categorically stated that I'm going to stay in the car and just do Signal Hill for the next uh, 20 years of my life. I'm happy with that. But so we started to climb Lion's uh, Table Mountain from the Camps Bayside, and uh, it looks amazing. They said, Gabe, you know, just take just over two hours. It'll be easy. And then they strapped to your back this massive backpack that they put in kgs of steaks and just to really make you comfortable just for the evening meal. And uh, and if you look at me again, I've had to lather myself in sun cream, factor 50, to survive. Uh, and, and, and these legs right now, I, I'm feeling pain in muscles I never knew I even had. Just... It was, it was an adventure, to say the least. But I, I was, as I've been thinking about this, I went up, to be honest, kicking and screaming. It was not my idea of fun. It was, this is, um, this is torture for me. This is not team building. This is team breaking down. I'm like falling apart. I'm moaning. I'm complaining my way up there with every step, going, how much longer? I am that kid in the backseat of the car saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Not yet. And I look up going, I can't believe we're doing this. And then we get to the precipice. We get to the top, and we get on top of Table Mountain, and to be honest, I've, I've grown up with this, I knew the caricature of the, the front view of Table Mountain where the cable car goes up. That's where I go once a year on my birthday. That's it. And I know that, that little, that flat part. But now we are at a point on Table Mountain where I look at a little map and it tells us it's two hours away from the cable car. And I'm like going, I can't even see the edge, and my breath is taken away as I go, there was so much more up here than I first imagined. I couldn't believe there were dams up there. There are huts up there. There are places, there are, there are, there are, there are people, indigenous people groups. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but some of you were sold for a while. Like, really? You know, it, just, it, was, it was something that took my breath away. I thought, this can't be in the middle of a city. But it is. And I, and I just tell you that because actually I believe that, that actually sometimes we get so used to the front-on view of what we think we, we're involved in. We think that Christianity is just this, what we see on the billboard. We, we think Christianity, what God has got for us, is all that we can see, smell, and touch. When actually, the Holy Spirit invites us on a journey to there is so much more. To vistas we'd never explored before. To th- things we'd never imagined that we'll be doing. That sharing stories that we'll never be thought we'll share in our lives. But I want to tell you that actually this journey of walking with the Holy Spirit might be just like my ascent up Table Mountain. A little bit uncomfortable at times. 
It might be a bit awkward, but I, want, I want to promise you, He will lead you and He'll always lead you to more than you ever first imagined. And I want to tell you that, that this morning as we culminate the series, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to burn afresh in our souls as He already is doing in our worship time. So why don't we stand to our feet? We want to read a scripture this morning from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 7 to 12. And uh, we stand because we, when we stand to read scripture, it postures our hearts in faith. And uh, we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. But um, read along in your Bibles if you got or read along in the screen. But this is what it says. It says this. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you, Father, for every single person here, every single heart that is gathered this morning, that wherever we are in our journey, would you give us courage to take steps of faith today? Maybe stumbling steps, maybe steps that demand courage, steps that take us out of our comfort zone. But I thank you, Father, that we would all take steps of faith, knowing that you have a great inheritance and a greater future for us than what lies behind us. I declare this into every heart here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you take your seats this morning? It's so exciting to be here. I am going to do something wild this morning. I'm preaching a sermon with two points. Normally has three. We're going to go two. I know, I know. Some of you are a little freaked out already. You're like, oh, what's going on here? What's going on? Two points and two points only this morning. But I want to give you two reasons why I believe that, that we can pursue the, the Holy Spirit. That you and I, there's an invitation for us to step into a pursuit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so excited about these two, two points that I want to brand deep into our hearts. Number one is this. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can pursue Him because He is pursuing you. You can pursue the Holy Spirit because He is pursuing you. Now, I'm going to offload some of my favorite theology that has shaped me, that has molded me, that has actually wired my brain and, and my spirit, how I think and relate to God. So it's going to take us all the way through the whole spectrum of scripture. But with the Holy Spirit, number one, is an introduced, if you go to the next slide very quickly, Tanaka, he's, an, he's introduced to us in the book of Genesis in the area of creation. The first time we see the Holy Spirit is in Genesis chapter one, verse two, the second verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit's there. He's not an awkward background character. He's not someone who only makes his entrance a little bit late into the, into the play. No, no, he's there front and center. He's a central character. And he arrives in verse 2. It says this, The earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we find creation. Creation is, is formless. There's no real shape to it. It's empty. The other scriptures say void. And it's dark. And the Holy Spirit is there. 
in that place, hovering over the emptiness, over the formlessness, over the darkness. The Holy Spirit is in that place. So we find the Holy Spirit in creation. Secondly, though, I want to tell you the big four chapters of Scripture with the Holy Spirit is Luke chapter 1. If we go to the next one, we find him. He's, he's everywhere in between these, but we find him make himself massively known. A shift in, in the way he relates with humanity is in the doctrine of the incarnation, where God became flesh, where Jesus, the Word, became flesh. And we find the Holy Spirit coming and the, the, the angel Gabriel Shout out to him, named after me. No, I'm named after him. Anyway, whichever one you want to go for. But the angel Gabriel is ministering to Mary, a lady who is a virgin, who has never slept with anyone, so biologically should be excluded from having any life in her womb. An angel comes to her and says, actually, God is going to make himself flesh, and he's going to do it through you, Mary, and going to come in the form of a baby in your womb. And she's like, how can this be? But we find in verse 35, it says this, the, the angel tells us this is how this is going to happen. How God is going to become man is going to be through the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So we find the Holy Spirit is so involved, not just in creation, he's also involved in incarnation, bringing, making God hum, human and humanity together in the person of Jesus Christ. We find creation and incarnation. Thirdly today, Stick with me if, you, if you're getting lost already. It will, it will all make sense. We find the story of the resurrection. And you'll, if you want to read it in, in a narrative form, you read it in John 20, where it says, the morning was dark and, and Mary ran to the tomb. Jesus died on the Friday. And they're all in mourning because they're like, they say, the Savior of the world is dead. They arrive at a dark tomb and they find this tomb is empty. But we find in Romans 1 verse 4, it tells us that Jesus was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead, how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So we find the Holy Spirit's involved in creation. The, the, the boom of creation. Boom! Empty, dark, formless. The Holy Spirit was hovering there and all creation leapt to life. We find the Holy Spirit involved in the incarnation where, where an empty, dark, formless womb, the Holy Spirit is there and the Holy Spirit comes upon there and Wow, life comes to life, uh, to reality. We find the, the, the tomb that Jesus, is, his body has been laid to rest and the resurrective power of the Holy Spirit raises him to life. And then we find, as we read last week, the new creation, the birth of the new creation, Acts chapter 1. We find in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 as the church, the start of our reality, how you and I are going to engage with God from now on. Well, you and I can not just live as Christians with a picture of Table Mountain, but actually experience Table Mountain, not just with a picture of God, a theology of God, but something that does not engage with them. How you and I as new creation can actually walk in experiential knowledge and relationship with God. He says, this is how it's going to happen. Your dark, empty, and formless hearts, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, if we go to the next slide, I want to help us here. You see, creation, incarnation, resurrection, new creation. And if I was going to be really fancy, I'd put the last one, consummation. The Holy Spirit, the ends in Revelation chapter 22, he's there saying the Spirit and the bride say, come. When Jesus returns, the Spirit of God will bring this whole thing together. He's there at the beginning, he's there at the end, he's at every stanza in between. But what I love about these four chapters that we looked at very quickly, briefly this morning, is that actually when you read the narratives, when you read the scriptures, there's actually a word that is used consistently throughout it. 
It says this in the beginning. It says, and it's the same root Greek Aramaic word, whatever translation you're reading from or whether it's from the Old or New Testament. It says the same words that in the creation, the Holy Spirit was hovering. The word is overshadowing. Over Mary's womb, it says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll overshadow you. Over the tomb, when you read in, in, in the book of Romans and a little bit later in the 1 Peter 3, also says that Jesus' resurrection was done because the Holy Spirit overshadowed, came upon the tomb. And finally, we see in Acts chapter 1, it says, how will you receive power? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, overshadow you. It's the same root word that's talking every way through, that the same power that was there at creation, the same power that, that called everything that was not into existence, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the, the bright shining lights, the seas, the oceans, the mountains, the power of the Spirit of God did that. The power of the Spirit of God brought Jesus into a, uh, into a, a virgin womb, put God into a womb. The same Spirit of God came and He raised Jesus out of a tomb, and the same Spirit of God put power on the early Christians. So I say it from my my creative way is from the boom to the womb, to the tomb, to the upper room, he's doing it all. Why I love this, why this is important, I'm not saying this to you for any other reason except this. Is actually Charles Spurgeon calls the Holy Spirit in a, in a, not in a derogatory way, but he was trying to help people understand a great old Puritan preacher. He said, the Holy Spirit is the hound dog of heaven. What do you mean by that? He says this, he'll pursue you and he'll woo you and he'll chase your heart down. And then maybe you're sitting here saying, well, how's that link with this? I want to tell you today, in every single stanza of the creation, the Holy Spirit was hovering over what? Emptiness, darkness, and formlessness. The Holy Spirit over her womb, who said, how can this be? Her womb was a virgin womb, had no ability to create life on her own. Her womb was dark, was empty, and there was no shape of life inside of it. The Holy Spirit came upon that. An empty tomb, a tomb that was dark, that was cold, that was formless. The Holy Spirit was hovering over that and said, let Jesus live. And over a church who were insipid, insecure, scared, fearful for their lives, the Holy Spirit came upon those disciples, a dark, empty, confused bunch of people said, I'm going to breathe my life upon you. Why I've got such courage that we can pursue the Holy Spirit is because he is pursuing you because you cannot Know Jesus without the Spirit of God awakening you. I want to tell you, you cannot drum up enough faith for you to encounter the God. If you sing here today and say, Gabe, my life is, is dark. You don't know what I've done. The stuff I've thought about, the sinful thing, even last night, the things that were going through my mind, the things I've contemplated. Actually, Gabe, my life is empty. There's nothing going on good. There's nothing real spiritual about me. I'm just here. I don't know what's going on in my life. Or I'm formless. I just don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening. Am I coming or going? What's happening in my relationships? I want to tell you perfect conditions for the Spirit of God to bring life. He did in creation. He did in incarnation. He didn't resurrection. He did a new creation. He can do it in you. How wonderful is that? He's not looking for anything else. He doesn't need anything else to partner with. He doesn't need anything to link with. He doesn't even need your faith because he is pursuing you. Because here's the thing. If you're saying, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? He doesn't need our faith. Well, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that we cannot come to Christ without the Spirit of God awakening us. What does that mean? John Wesley, the great preacher, the Methodist preacher, he said that actually it's called the prevenience grace of God, meaning that before you even knew you had the grace of God, his grace was already working on you. This is the hound dog of heaven. While you were running this way away from God, he was pursuing you. 
Before you encountered grace, he was saying, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. You don't even need, uh, why I say you don't even, he doesn't even need our drummed up faith or our courage is because the Bible tells us while we were dead in our sins, the spirit of God made us alive with Christ. Dead men don't have any faith. It wasn't your faith that made you alive. It was the spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the one who pursues you. So I've got such courage today. Maybe you're singing and you're going, my heart is cold, my heart is empty, my heart is dark. I've got such faith for your life because it's not in you. It's in the Spirit of God who will pursue you and he'll come upon you. He'll hover over you and watch what he'll start to do. From the boom to the womb to the tomb to the upper room to your hearts, he'll bring you life. I've got faith this morning that you can pursue him because he is pursuing you. Second point this morning is you can pursue him because he has more than you could imagine. This first scripture we stood and read is one that is often so misquoted and misused. There's a scripture that says it's quoting, um, 1 Corinthians 2 is quoting the prophet Isaiah from chapter 64. He says this, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind could fully imagine what God has prepared for us. And everyone goes, mm, Amen. One day we'll get it. When we get in heaven, can't wait. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could even fathom. One day it'll be amazing in heaven. The problem is that's not where the scripture finishes. The very next word says, but, but, the big but this morning. Let's let that one sit there for a while. The big but this morning is it says this, but he has revealed these things to us by his spirit. He has revealed. So the, the things that no mind can imagine, no ear has heard, that the prophets long to look into, that Isaiah thought one day was prophesying that one day God would come near and God would not dwell in temples made by human hands, but would dwell in hearts. The prophets who all prophesied and longed for that day, that day has come. It's not coming, it has come. Joel 2 tells us that Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2. He says, and Joel 2 said, one day he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. Not just the main manna, not just the men of God up there, not just the priests, but on all flesh. Can I tell you the great news? Acts chapter 2, Pentecost has come. Acts 2 happened, and that was the day Jesus poured out his spirit on all flesh. Can I tell you the great news? Is he's not taking the spirit back until eternity come. The Spirit of God has come. He is here. He's pursuing you. He's not walking back. And actually, he's saying everything that is the Father. The Scripture carries on in in 1 Corinthians 2. says, the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father, the mysteries of the Father, and he makes them known to us. I don't know about you, but my heart starts to race a little bit when I read that. I've read that so many times, and I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface of that verse. I read it again this morning going, I don't know if I'm even going to be Preaching, I'll be preaching like this, this much of this verse. Because it's like, I, it just gets me excited. I don't know if you've ever read a scripture, you go, I don't know what it fully means, but I like it. I, I like that. I don't know what it fully means, but I think that it says the Spirit is searching the deep things of the Father who stands over eternity. The Spirit of God is searching, 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 and going, I'm going to make it known to them. I'm going to make it known to the sons and daughters. I'm going to make the mysteries of heaven, the things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could ever imagine. I'm going to make those things known to the sons and daughters of God. I'm like, oh, come in. Come in. Today, to make it easy for us, three things that, as best as I can, that the Spirit searches and makes known to us, is firstly, He makes revelation known to us. That revelation is our, a fancy word that we use in Christianity to mean the aha moment. 
You know, when you, when, when you put a coin in the, in the, in the, in the vending machine and you see the Coke, you see the Coke, but you just can't get the Coke. I see the Coke, but I can't get the Coke. But then you put your coin in, you see, tick, 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 and thing tips, and then suddenly you go, as it falls, and then you put your hand in, I've got the Coke. I got the Coke. That's revelation. What you can see through a veil, now I've got it in my hand. That's what revelation is. When you read scripture, you read scripture and somebody tells you again and again, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Like, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then one day you go, Jesus loves you. Oh my word, Jesus loves me. The coke, the, the, ah, he loves me. And it overwhelms your soul. And then other people are like, what's wrong with them? Like, you don't get it. Because this revelation that only the spirit of God can bring about. And that's what revelation is. The Spirit of God brings revelation. And we are not newbies at this, or the first people to stumble on this. A man named Martin Luther, who was a great uh, reform, ref, uh, part of the Reformation 501 years ago, he uh, was involved in, in, in changing the trajectory of the church. But he shared this thing. He was a man who used to, he was so desperate for God. He used to pursue God, but he didn't have this, he didn't have the Spirit of God bring revelation. So he was looking at images of, for example, Table Mountain going, it's so beautiful, but just, can't get it. He's looking at it at the, through the glass at the coke going, I want it, but I can't get it. He was looking at the scriptures and saying, I, I think I get it, but I can't get it. And he used to, it, he was actually a man who used to actually, he used to uh, hit himself to try and get in there. He used to, he used to pray long hours, desperate to try and get into the presence of God, but he just couldn't get it. And he was quoted as saying this. He said, I beat upon Paul. I beat upon Paul, meaning the scriptures. The writer Paul, who wrote half of the, most of the New Testament, he said, I beat upon Paul, desperately asking him to reveal his secrets to me. This hunger in his heart, saying this. He says, until one day, the Spirit of God just dropped the penny. And Martin Luther's eyes opened and realized, it's by faith and faith alone. It's not about my beating on Paul. It's not about my beating of myself. It's not about my self-works. He says, actually, I beat upon Paul, but then all of a sudden I went, wah! And years and years of trying to work his way in, suddenly the veil came down. He was like, I get it. It's Jesus. It's Christ and Christ alone. And the Reformation, that change, that revelation changed the trajectory of the church. Now, I want to tell you, this practically happened to me the other day. Things have been in our lives, lots of scenarios and big pe- things in people's lives. And I was driving and I felt the weight of people's lives. And I was going, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this, God. I don't know how to, what prayer must I pray? I, you know, praying for people, they're not getting better. I'm praying for situations and things seem to be struggling. I don't know what to do. And I just felt a little bit overwhelmed. And I, I was driving on a, on a long way and I put a CD on the car, which had just some worship music. And I just thought, you know what? All I know what to do right now is I need to ask the Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Because all I can see is people's problems. But I need to see Jesus. Not just, I, and now let me tell you, I've, I've, I'm a pastor. So for me to say, show me Jesus, it's not like I'm, I've never seen Jesus, but I needed fresh revelation of Jesus. And as I was driving, I started to sing and I started to worship and tears started to just flood down my face. As I started to understand, now not visually, I didn't suddenly now in the, my, way, my, my, my driving screen in front of me, whatever that thing's called, my dri- windscreen, driving screen. That's what they're calling them next year, guys. Come on. I'm a futurist. The driving screen. As I was looking into my windscreen, I didn't just, I didn't see Jesus in the physical, but I, I felt, I knew the presence of God like I hadn't known it for a long time. And I, I actually just started to worship as I pictured what eternity would be like. 
when I'm overwhelmed right now by pressures, but the Spirit of God started to give me insight of what eternity would look like when one day we'll arrive at eternity shores and we'll, we'll just see Jesus and everything inside of us, every trial, every tribulation that we've been carrying, all the limps we've been carrying, we'll forget about the limp and we'll sprint in going, it's you, Jesus! And we'll see him and we'll cast our crowns down and we'll be so overwhelmed that we start to join in the chorus of the angels and sing and sing, Jesus, worthy is the lamb. And I start to sing and I start to weep and weep and weep. And the trials around me grew dim. Did they grow, just disappear? No, but a fresh revelation of Jesus. And that's only given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I'll make those things known to you. I tell you today, when your eyes grow dark, when they get consumed with the things around you, the pressures, the fears, the depression, when your eyes grow dark, would you allow the Spirit of God to open them afresh? Because that's what He longs to do. The Spirit of God longs to reveal Jesus to you and I. He gives us revelation. Secondly, He gives us access to resource. Resources we did not have before. I had the, the privilege and the terrifying responsibility on Friday, a young girl committed suicide in our, in our community and uh, been walking a journey with a family, a very overwhelming. And on Friday we had, we had a burial and the, the family said, they'll just be the family. Can you come and just be with us at that moment? There's a funeral the next day. So they said, just be with us at that moment. So I, I hadn't prepared anything formal to say. I just thought I'm just going to be there with them. 10 people around a gravesite. Got there and I arrived and there was about 60 people and they'd hired out the, the crematorium and I walk in, and then there's a whole bunch of teenage emotions that are going out of control in the moment. And I walk in, and I say, hey, guys, what's the plan here? And they're like, I don't know. What do you got for us, Gabe? <laughs> cool. And, and I remember being quite overwhelmed. And I'm not often short of what to say. I'm not, I just, but, but the situation was big. And, and I thought, I don't want to be trite. I don't want to be, I don't want to just say what's the thing to say. Actually, this is a dark empty, formless situation. This is a situation that, that I don't know what to do. Actually, the family are in chaos. The, the emotions here are raw. But I thank goodness I've got to understand that actually dark, empty, formless times when the Spirit of God is hovering. And I just had to stand and say, Holy Spirit, would you give me access? I don't have the words to say. I've never walked this journey, but I need your words. And as I started speaking, I was going, this is really good. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where this is coming from sharing scriptures that I haven't thought of, things that, are, that weren't there now. And the Spirit of God, in my, as I've processed it, the Spirit of God, as I read the scripture, was searching the deep things of the Father, saying, I'm going to make it known to you right now. You need it now. I'm going to make known to you now. The Spirit of God makes resources known to us that are not ours, but are His. I, I tell you, as I was thinking about it, I think a word that comes along often now at this time of year is people say, I'm so exhausted, I'm feeling burnt out. And as I was thinking about that this week, and then I've been prone to say that word. It just falls off the lips easy, burnout. And I know there's a reality. I know that's why we have to put margin in our life. That's why we have to plan rest well. We have to do those things. I'm not saying don't do those things, but the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the fire of God. And He's a fire that never burns out. And, I, and I've just been reminding my soul so often when burnout comes or tiredness comes, end of year, it's so easy to go, I just, my Savior will be my holiday. My Savior will be my two weeks rest. My Savior will be that if I just make it. When actually, sir, ma'am, we have a Savior named Jesus Christ who's poured out His Spirit to put a fire that never burns out. 
a refresher, of someone who, who pours his love into us whenever you're tired. I want to tell you, if you're at a place where you've got no resources left inside of you, he says, trust my spirit. My spirit will pour resources. The first early disciples had no resources that they knew of. But the spirit, the fire of God came upon them and they turned the city upside down. In our weakest moments, if you're feeling dark, empty, formless, your ear has been big, the Holy Spirit's hovering. He's hovering over that situation. I say again, I've told this story many times, but I, I will always tell it because it's deep in my heart. And I want to see more of it. Was met Mark and Candace. The first time I got to acquaint them was at a student camp. A student camp with a whole bunch of students there who were under the age of 30. And uh, Mark was leading the camp. I was, I was 20. He was 30. Uh, and uh, he was leading the camp. And there was a moment where we were, we were worshiping God and people were encountering the Holy Spirit. And, and just like Britt did, just like Tim did, they felt something in the meeting that was, I've got to share this with, with people. But inside of me was, I felt, actually, there's a young girl over there lying on her face that's crying. But she's crying because she cannot fall pregnant. And I thought, that's a weird thing to say at a student camp. Not many girls crying, I can't fall pregnant at a student camp. So I was like, at first I thought, oh, get behind me, Satan. That's not from you. But as I stood there, I just felt the Spirit of God more and more saying, actually, and this, I'm like, I'm 20. I know my name's Gabriel, and that's what we do. But I just felt, you know, uh, and eventually I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go tell the guy, I'll go tell Mark, the guy leading the camp, and he can tell me, don't be an idiot, but then at least I've been obedient. So I walked all the way up, hey Mark, I've got a strange word. Yeah, what is it? So I started to tell him, hey, you know that lady there? I feel like you go pray for her. I feel she needs a ba- she's praying out for a baby, but I know it's probably wrong. So I just thought I'd let you know. And Mark looks up, tears are coming down his face. He says, that's my wife, Candace. The only, I hadn't met her before. She's the only other married, only married person there. And she was, they said, we've been trying to fall pregnant for a long time. Could you go pray for her? I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Remember walking over, and the only scripture that came to my thought, oh, you know, you go, oh, I've never done the course, how to pray for somebody who, uh, and all I could think of was the story of Jesus. He went to Lazarus's tomb, which was been, Lazarus had been dead for four days, and Jesus walked there, and, and the people were weeping, and Mary and Martha were crying, and they said, Jesus, if only I'd got you sooner, it would have been Jesus is not stressed, Jesus is not late, he's not anxious, not in a hurry, and he walks up, he doesn't even console them, say, Mary, Martha, I know I've taken a long time. He doesn't do anything like that. He walks up to the tomb, he says, roll the stone away, and says, Lazarus, come out. That's all, that's all he said. It wasn't this big sermon. Jesus didn't do a rain dance, didn't he? didn't start saying, we need a prayer music. Just no... Empty tomb, Holy Spirit's hovering over this, uh, a cold, dark tomb. Holy Spirit's hovering over this thing. Lazarus come out. He spoke and Lazarus came out. So that's the only scripture that came to mind. So I started praying for this lady and said, Lazarus, come out. The stone has been rolled away. Pray that again and again and again. And once I looked up, I said, okay, amen. Amazing thing, on the following Monday, they went to the doctor in faith. And Mark phoned me and said, Gabe, just to let you know, the doctor's very flummoxed, but there's, there's a baby We've got a baby. We're pregnant. And I, I do remember famously putting the phone down saying, I made Candace from Pletson pregnant. <laughs> but <laughs> the, phenomenal, the phenomenal thing is, uh, again, it's, uh, there's no formula there. It's not, a, it's not a formula. It's not like now, okay, cool. Now pray that prayer over every person. It wasn't the prayer. It wasn't the formula. It wasn't even my ability to draw my faith. Because can I be honest? My faith was not like booming through the roof. I was nervous. But over dark, empty, formless spaces, the Holy Spirit is hovering. 
And, and when we start to understand that, we start to view situations in life differently. Because this is the Spirit of God, and He's, he's, pursue, he's pursuing us so we can pursue Him. He gives us resources when we don't know. So when I tell you, when your emotions are empty, when your courage is empty, when your purpose is empty, allow the Spirit of God to fill you. He gives us revelation, He gives resources, but then something that I love the best out of all of it, He gives us relationship with the Father. He allows us, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22 says this, He identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as an installment, a deposit, a down payment that guarantees everything He has promised us. He he identifies us as His own. God identifies you as His son and daughter. How? By putting the Holy Spirit in you. As a down payment, a, a deposit, guaranteeing you, securing you of everything that is to come. 2 Corinthians 3, 8 says, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Speak, this is paralleling, parallel, paralleling the old covenant and the new covenant. It says, should we not expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? How much more glorious is this new way that makes us right with God? 2 Corinthians 3.16 talks about the, he says, now that the veil has been removed, and he says, then he goes and says, the Spirit of the Lord is there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. As I just read that yesterday evening, I just saw this, this, this narrative happening that He identifies us as His own. He secures our, our sonship, our daughtership by putting the Holy Spirit in us. Then He, He goes on and He says, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to secure you, make you right with me, not just make you my sons, but I'm going to make you ability to walk with me by my, the power of my Holy Spirit. Then He goes on and says, actually, I'm going to bring such freedom in your life that you're not only just going to walk with me, you're going to become like me. And He does that through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I read this, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, 2, 3, just expelled this out. And, and as I was reading that, I just was thinking about my little girl, Olivia Grace. And uh, there's something that I love about her is when, when, when uh, it's a, the new vocab that she's found. It's a quite profound, this vocab. It's like, it's just got such deepness to it and richness to it. It's like so eloquent, this, this, this vocab that she's found. It's, we're playing a game and I'm it's either tickling her or, or throwing her up in the air or putting on my legs and, and she, for, to play airplane, and I do it once, and I'm getting exhausted, so I put it down, and Olivia finds these words, they're profound words, they're ready for them, they're deep, revelatory, she says this, more, 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 and that's, she says it again, again, she gets this look in her eye, that she's like, I'm not going to be dissuaded, more, 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 she often also says that after she's had some food, but, uh, but what I love about that as a father, I'm tired. I'm like, Olivia, I've just, we've done it five times already. But she looks at her dad with expectation saying, more, more, more. And as I thought about that, as I read these scriptures, I thought, the Holy Spirit puts this desire in my heart that for more, more, more. That actually I'm not satisfied with just a, the, with just the view of Table Mountain from down the, the, the bottom. I'm not just satisfied with the coke behind the lens. Actually, I want more. I want more. I want more of God. And actually, the thing that, that allows me to get more is the Holy Spirit. And the one that puts the desire for the more is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in this ability. He's the engine that's making us walk with God and getting to know Him. The Holy Spirit is there that secures us. He's the one that makes us right with God. And He's the one that propels us to, to become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is the engine, the executor of the Trinity, that calls us into the more. This is so deep. And I want to tell you today, He's not holding out on you. He's inviting you. 
You say, Gabe, it feels like my life is, God is holding out on me. My life is dark. It's empty. It's formless. He's not holding out. He's hovering. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to turn and he'll say, come, let's come. Pursue me and watch that I'm pursuing you. And as you pursue me, I'll invite you into more. He's hovering over that space today. I want to tell you, you can't earn him, but you can pursue him. You can't do anything to earn him. But like like a dad, I'm Olivia's dad. She doesn't have to do anything to earn that. But she has full authority, full rights to say more. Because she knows her dad. You and I, like Olivia, we can't earn our father's love. We can't earn the Holy Spirit's work in our life. But we can say more. We can push our hearts to say more and say, actually, I want to experience all that you've got for me. The Bible, as I bring this into land, says in Ephesians 3, uh, Ephesians 5, it tells us, says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that is, I've said it again and again each week of the series, be filled is not once off. It's a present continuous tense that's used there. The be filled is be ongoingly filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning this is a relationship, not a transaction. The Holy Spirit wants to walk with us. The Bible tells us, be led by the Holy Spirit. A better reading is, walk with the Holy Spirit. Walk with Him. Live a life with the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with Him. There's an invitation in this. And, and, and here's my one disclaimer. And it's one of my favorite all-time stories. There's a man named Surprise Satole, who's this power evangelist in Africa. And uh, he has seen crazy stories. If you find, get hold of his book, just stories of resurrections in, in Mozambique. And he just goes on missions into war-torn countries and leads people to the Lord. And he's been, it's just like crazy stories. Um, but there's this one story that took place outside of Africa, outside of where he feels comfortable. And he was sent as a, as a representative of, of, of Africa to go to a Vatican council in Rome. Surprise at all, this power evangelist of who knew the Holy Spirit and seen the Holy Spirit who works over the dark, empty, formless spaces. He gets to the Vatican. Everyone's got their, their slot to speak. He gets up to speak and he, and he gets his bottle of water nervously. He stands up there and he just sees, he says, I looked up and I see row after row after row of people in robes. And he says, they're all looking at me like, what is this guy going to say? And he said, oh, I felt pressure. And he said, I was in my, in my head, he said, Holy Spirit, how are you going to move here? Because these guys, he says, they've got one robe, they've got two robes, they've got three robes. He says, these guys are not loose. That's his words. He said, they're not loose. They're too rigid. They're not expecting the more. They're not expecting anything. They're like, just they give us the show and move on to the next speaker. So he said, I start speaking, but in my head, I'm having, he's having this argument with the Holy Spirit saying, how are you going to move, Holy Spirit? They're not loose. And he said, the Holy Spirit just kept on. He said, just kept on. He's walked, uh, developed an understanding of the Spirit of God, how he speaks to him. So the Holy Spirit said, take your water. And he said, surprise, throw it over the people. And he was like, he, at first he was like, no, 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 no. Can't do that. I'm from Africa. I can't do this. I can't. So he just kept speaking and going through his notes. And then as he was going, he's like, they're not loose. They're not moving. And the Holy Spirit, how are you going to move? And he felt the Holy Spirit say again, I told you, throw out the water. He's like, oh. So eventually, as his time was winding down, he thought, well, this, I've done nothing. These people have just sat here. They politely nodded. Nothing has moved. There's, the Holy Spirit's not moving. This is, I'm leaving this place. It's dark, empty, and formless. And he just, as he was about to step down, the Holy Spirit said, throw out the water. So eventually he got it, and he just, I won't do it now. Don't worry. <laughs> he threw out the water, horrified, thinking, why, I'm never getting invited back here again. But what he didn't know was, as he threw out the water, the guys started to get freaked out because they thought he was throwing out holy water. So they all started to climb over each other to get touched the holy water that's being thrown out. All of a sudden, the men in the robes were men with upturned robes. 
falling over one another, flying over pews to get to the holy water that's being flown out. And as this chaos happens, he hears the Holy Spirit whispers there, they're now loose. (laughs) Why I love that story is actually I believe that the dark, empty, and void situations, the formless situations in our life will come to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe it, and I prophesied with faith today over every life. I believe that the movable will move in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the only prerequisite is will you be loose? Will you be loose? What do I mean loose? I mean will you loose yourself from the fear of man? Will you loose yourself from trying to be respectable? Why is that? Because actually, sir, ma'am, dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is. Wild, uncontained joy. Would you lose yourself from trying to have it all together? Would you lose yourself from trying to climb this mountain alone? Would you lose yourself and say, actually, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm like a child, a childlike faith. As Taylor at the prayer meeting is before us, he had a childlike faith that comes saying, more, more, more. But I don't have the theology, but I don't have the experience. I don't care. More, more, more. But you've been disqualified. You don't do, you there's darkness around you. I don't care more. There's, there's emptiness in your life. I don't care. I want more. There's, there's formlessness. I don't care. I want more. Because because we've got an understanding. He pursues me. It's not up to me. So I can now turn and pursue him for the more. This is the simplicity of who the Holy Spirit is. And I want to tell you the Bible, John, as I land this thing, he tells us, he says, in John, John he talks about a baptism. We're going to have a baptism in water afterwards. But he says also after the baptism in water comes a baptism in the Holy Spirit. He uses the word baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not, not trying to put a new formulaic thing on us, but trying to give us the image. Baptism for us to become a religious word. In that day and culture, baptism was a, was a, a marketplace word. When they'll take a fabric, piece of fabric, and they'll go and they'll baptize it, dip it into dye. And this plain fabric, they'll hold it and they'll hold it in there until the dye had so become one with the fabric. They'll dip it and baptize it into the dye again and again until they get it ready for sale. And we'll pull it out. That was ready when the, you couldn't tell the dye had been so absorbed into the fabric that the fabric had changed color, had changed texture, had changed smell, that the fabric had now become the dye and absorbed it. That is what baptism in the Holy Spirit is. Then we ongoingly dip our lives, immerse our lives into the Holy Spirit, baptize our lives, our thinking, baptize our hearts, baptize our attitudes, our emotions into the Holy Spirit so that until he becomes more and more our reality. When actually the reality is not the picture we see of Christianity out there, we start walking in experiential reality of who he is. And everything that the no mind has, has imagined, no ears heard, no eye has seen, but the Spirit is revealing it to sons and daughters here this morning. Can I pray for us? With two points, I've gone on longer than I expected. I got too excited. But I do not apologize. Because I pray that hearts here would start to get excited and burn afresh. Maybe religious hearts, cold religion, religious hearts that have done church for so long. And I know church. I pray death to that. In my heart. I pray death there in your heart. I pray hearts that are fearful, anxious, fear hearts that are feeling I'm disqualified right now to hear dark, empty, formless, perfect conditions for the Holy Spirit. Perfect conditions for the Holy Spirit. Right now, where you're sitting, I pray as we, I want to land this series by praying the fullness of the blessing, the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit of every person here. If you are saying, I want more, more, more of that. 
I'd love you to stand to your feet and I want to pray for us.